Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Secret place and Brother Tom, that song, it was Alone with God and um, that's just outstanding. And a great day, great, great crowd tonight, great spirit. And it was a good meeting today and, and I do say thank you, Grace Baptist Church, for your hospitality and having these pastors in. And you encourage a pastor, you've encouraged a church. I need to dismiss the children and uh, dismiss the children. He told me to do that, and I forgot to do that, but they knew what to do anyway. And uh, children, you can go, and, um, and that's uh, whatever age you fit into. I, I don't think you should be going with the children. You're, you're sneaking out of here. I, I, I caught you there. <laughs> I wouldn't embarrass you, but uh, we'll watch as you walk out. <laughs> hey, I said, if you encourage a pastor, you've encouraged an entire church. And uh, there's a lot of pastors that were here today. There's a great spirit among these pastors. And, and as was mentioned, we don't see that in a lot of states. And I'm very thankful for what God is doing here. It's a, it, it's a great work. And, and you getting behind your pastor's vision. It's, it's not something that he's just got his hands in a lot of things, just dabbling with a lot of things because he doesn't have enough to do. No, God is, is equipping Grace Baptist Church to be a, a, a help in far greater ways than what you may realize. And that's the way I think. I think that um, God's always up to something, and he lets us be a part of it. And we don't always know what it is, but we just take a step of faith, trust and obey, and you'll find that... Uh, God's going to use you and God's going to use your journey to be of help to somebody else. Matthew chapter 7, let's look there tonight. Matthew chapter number 7, it's great to hear from Brother Mike Edwards by way of video tonight and he's such a blessing. I, I, I am glad he's going to be back with you or be able to be rescheduled, be with you in September. He's a, he's a good friend, he's a great man, great preacher and I thank the Lord for him. I just wish I would have been able to know him a lot uh, earlier in life to benefit from him, and, and he's been a help and help to uh, your pastor, and he's been a help to many others. Matthew chapter 7. Remember what we said, R.A. Torrey said, prayer can do anything that God can do. You remember that? Prayer can do anything that God can do. Do you believe that? Prayer can do anything that God can do. Many sermons that I hear seem only to leave one in a pit of guilt and despair by only emphasizing why we don't pray or just emphasizing that we should pray. We talked about making it a priority last night. But again, I want to reiterate that I have no intention of adding to that repertoire of sermons that will only leave us depressed because we're not praying like we should or praying enough. I often find consolation in Charlie Brown. He 
was at bat and strikes out again and he trudges back over to the bench and he laments. Rats, I'll never be a big league player. I just don't have it. All my life I've dreamed of playing in the big leagues, but I know I'll never make it. Lucy turns to console him. She says, Charlie Brown, you're thinking too far ahead. What you need to do is set some more immediate goals. He looks and asks, immediate goals? And she says, yes. Start with the next inning when you go out to pitch. See if you can just walk out to the mound without even falling down. <laughs> oh, I've been there. I feel like I just keep falling down in my endeavor to walk with God and, and want to, to please Him. And Do you ever feel like that spiritually? We want to be in the big leagues of just knowing God. And, and sometimes we can get discouraged by just falling and and what I hope tonight and this week and, and hopefully just the, the momentum with, with continuing as your pastor leads in this area is that we just catch a glimpse of what God wants to do in your life, in your family, and in this church body. No matter who you are, no matter what your circumstance may be, prayer can become thrilling. It doesn't have to be a drudgery. It can be a daily adventure that just unlocks that treasure chest that God has for us that we talked about last night. Don't feel bad if you don't know what to pray, where to pray, how to begin. Don't feel bad about that. I, I'm one that's been um, plagued with uh, that perfectionist mindset. And the reason why it's plaguing is because I'm not a perfectionist. I can't do anything perfect. But, but I don't find satisfaction unless it's done perfect. And so sometimes I'm paralyzed by over-analysis of something, trying to get it right. And, and, and here's the truth. One of the biggest misconceptions about prayer is that it, we think we have to have it all laid out perfectly and our agenda laid out perfectly and the divine to-do list in order to pray effectively. But remember, the true purpose of prayer, the whole point in this, is just to get into the presence of God. Just to meet with God. When you get into the presence of God, He has the divine to-do list. Here's my advice. Pray about what to pray about. I pray about my prayer meetings. I pray more about our church prayer meetings then our church prayer meetings pray. Because what the purpose of prayer is, is to get into the presence of God. And I'm praying and asking for our people and our church, God, would you help them see you're real? Because God is real. And I don't want us to go through the motions. You know, Jesus did not die on the cross, was buried and resurrected, so you and I can have religion. Religion is the very last thing that we need. He died that you would have a relationship with him. He's alive. He's a person. And then I pray not just about our church prayer meetings. God, show up, meet with us. But I also pray about my own. God, help me know, know what, what you want me to pray about, how this is going to, to work. And here's what's going to happen. God's going to reveal a promise God's going to put upon your heart a problem or a person. 
In other words, God has your to-do list. There are times I go to the Lord with, yes, I have a list. I have things that I follow. But, but the whole point is I want to get in the presence of God, and He can rearrange any of that. Meeting with God, alone with God, as with some. The Lord wants to exceed your expectations. But if we're living subpar Christianity, He's not even meeting our expectations. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He wants to exceed our expectations. But we're going to have to recognize that this matter of prayer is something that God is wanting to do. And I know that practically everyone can look at the matter of prayer and say, I'm missing out on the greatness and the power and the wonder of it. But I hope also, I want you to see that this is something that is wonderful, it's indescribable, and that you can easily enter into it and experience it, every one of us. You don't have to be one of the, the, prayer is not for the few, the proud. No, it's for everyone who would be humble. God wants to meet with you. We're going to see tomorrow night the kind of people that were effective in prayer, and they're the same kind of people sitting in here tonight. And so as we go through this daily journey, I want us to to take a look at, uh, again, what we saw a little bit last night from Luke. We're going to see it here in Matthew chapter 7. George Mueller. Does that name sound familiar? He was once on a ship going from England to Canada. It was a Wednesday, and he was scheduled to speak on Saturday. In Quebec, Mr. Mueller went to the captain and said, I must be in Canada on Saturday afternoon. The captain replied, Mr. Mueller, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Mr. Mueller informed the captain that he had never broken a preaching engagement in 57 years. And the captain replied, I would willingly help you. What can I do for you? Mr. Mueller suggested that they go into the chart room and there they pray. And the captain said, do you know how dense the fog is? Do you know how bad this is? And this isn't lifting. We're not going to be able to make it. I I would do anything I could, but we're not going to be able to. Mr. Mueller replied to the captain, no, my eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance in my life. So they went to the chart room and there they prayed. The captain later described the prayer of George Mueller to be like a prayer of an eight-year-old. He said the prayer of George Mueller went something like this. God, I believe it is your will for me to be in Canada by Saturday afternoon. Please remove the fog in five minutes. The captain then was about to pray and But Mr. Mueller restrained him and said, You do not believe that he will. I believe he already has. Get up, Captain. Open the door, and you will see that the fog is lifted. And Mr. Mueller kept his speaking engagement on Saturday. George Mueller said, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. 
Faith begins where man's power ends. Look at Matthew chapter 7, would you? Verse 7 through 11. Let's stand, if you would please, if you're able to, out of respect for the reading, preaching of the Bible. Matthew 7 and verse 7, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or, what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? I just want to preach on this thought. The blessing of prayer. The blessing of prayer. Prayer is a blessing. But it's not a blessing that you will benefit from until you recognize it. The blessing of prayer. Thank you. Please be seated. We looked at this from Luke's vantage point last night. We mentioned that this is a treasure map that God has for us. And when we read those verses, I hope you picked up on from the lips of Jesus, there was no hint of guilt. He wasn't trying to make anyone feel bad. No, there's no trying to make us feel guilty and guilt us into praying. Instead, Jesus is calling us. He's trying to entice us with experiencing the blessing of prayer. Let me give you three things about this this evening. Number one, the imperative of prayer. The imperative. Three things that he says. Did you pick up on it, verse 7? Ask, seek, and what's the last one? Knock. Now, this is the context of Jesus talking to his disciples. If you're saved, you're a disciple. Now, whether you're functioning as a disciple is something different, but I would uh, suggest you're here on a Tuesday night. You're, you're desirous of following the one who saved you. If you're not saved, you're here, you've come to church, but you haven't come to Jesus. You need to get saved. Jesus says, today's the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, Jesus loves you. God's looking for you. He wants to save you. If sometimes people come to church and they say, well, I'm only here because someone brought me. No, you're here because God's looking for you, that's why. And somebody may have brought you, but God's looking to get a hold of you. He loves you. He died for you. Listen, I wouldn't go to hell for my pride. I wouldn't go to hell for my friends. I wouldn't go to hell for anybody. And Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven because he warned people, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to to miss heaven. You don't have to to forsake the gift of eternal life. God loves you. He's for you. But if you're saved, you're here because you want to follow Jesus. You want to know Jesus intimately the one who saved you you know jesus didn't save us primarily to take us to heaven if he did you would have gone to heaven the moment you got saved he 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 saved us to develop a relationship with us 
to take us into his great commission of why he came 2,000 years ago so that we can be a part of that abundant life and know him in an intimate way. And prayer is one of the ways in which that happens. And he gives us the imperative, ask, seek, and knock. He's already taught them the principles of prayer in Matthew 6, and you can read about that. But now he comes back at it once again in Matthew 7. This is the only subject, that is prayer, that Jesus mentions more than once in the Sermon on the Mount. So prayer is quite important. It's evident that it's important to Jesus and it needs to be important to us. Ask. Ask. Jesus didn't say beg. We don't have to pound on the door of heaven. Although he does want us to be persistent, but he just said, ask. Just ask. Five times here Jesus says, ask. What does James say? He says the real issue is that we have not because we ask not. Remember Elijah, we mentioned Elijah on Sunday night when he was about to be taken up into heaven. He said to Elisha, what is it that you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion. What is it that you're facing tonight? Have you asked God about it? Asking is a good place to start. There's folks in my church, and just like folks probably here in Grace Baptist, you have a need, you have a problem, and you think, i got to get to pastor. And, and I tell our, our, our church, and your pastor I know is the same way, we have an open-door policy. Even if my door is closed, in other words, I'm saying there's a transparency. I, I, I want to be accessible to you. I want to be available to you. But listen, why would you want to get to Billy Ingram? Why would you want to get to Josiah Kagan before you get to God? Get to God and ask. I, I, I want people to come, but do you know really what we're trying to do, what our responsibility is? It's to help you know how to get to God. We're the under-shepherd for the great shepherd, and the great shepherd says, just ask. Ask. What are you facing? Something you don't have? Maybe we ought to try asking for. One preacher said, prayer cannot truly be taught by principles and seminars and symposiums. It has to be born out of a whole environment of felt need. If I say I ought to pray, I will soon run out of motivation and quit because the flesh is too strong. I have to be driven to pray. Do you know that God allows things into our lives, our life, pressure and stress? Remember James says, um, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations and and he goes on to explain knowing this at the trying of your faith, work and patience. Here's what he's saying. Know, know this, that stress is going to come into your life and God's going to use stress to equip you and build up your faith. But what do you do when you're stressed out? James 1 and verse 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Just come. I'll tell you what I'm used to doing. Hello, Dr. So-and-so. I need some help. And, 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 I, and I feel like, I feel so bad so many times. God's been patient with me, but I feel like after I get off the phone with a pastor friend or somebody else, I feel like the Lord is 
standing there saying, but what about me? Did you forget about me? It's, it's, it's not negating the fact that we need counsel because the Lord speaks of that. But what we're, we're looking at is, what about God? The acrostic here, ask. A-S-K, ask. It gives us these three imperatives. A, ask. S, seek. K, knock. These three imperatives. Simply asking. There's simplicity in asking. You ever notice how children ask freely? They ask often, incessantly. It's like the little boy who said, Daddy, I'm thirsty. Can you bring me some water? And he was in bed, and Daddy told him not to get out of bed. And Can I get some water? Daddy said, yeah, you can get some water, but you got to get back to bed. He got him, got him some water and went back to bed. And a little bit later, he said, Daddy, I'm still thirsty. Can I have some more water? And Daddy said, we'll get you some more water. Got some more water, went back to bed. And, and this time he cried out, Daddy, I'm still thirsty. And Daddy said, if you don't go to sleep, you're getting a spanking. A little bit later, he said, Daddy, on your way in to spank me, can you bring me some water? That's how children are. They never quit. They keep asking. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to convey. And he wants us to come to him and just ask. And listen, there's an escalating intensity here. Each word, ask, seek, and knock, it, it is an intense um, uh, 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 progression here. First, we ask. And then if we ask and don't hear the answer, what are we to do? We're to seek. Seek. You see that? Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. Now, seek is the idea of searching for the person. So keep in mind, here we're talking about Jesus. But think of it in terms of, all right, you've got a question. You've got, you're looking for somebody. You ask. And you don't get the response, or you don't find that person. You don't, it doesn't work out. So now you go seeking. Why should we seek out God? I think it's because if we're not careful, we can sometimes become content with the gifts rather than the giver. So God wants a personal, special connection with you. Remember, that's the purpose of prayer, just that we would experience God. My little eight-year-old can enter into the presence of God and meet with Jesus. My, my five-year-old, she meets with Jesus. And so can we. We need to get back to the giver. And that happens through seeking. Now after we've asked, and we don't think we've received the answer, then we go and seek the one whom we're making the request. And then it says knock. Now the mental picture is this. Here, and Jesus is giving this. A person asking a friend for something but not getting an answer. He asked. So he circles the friend's house and he's looking for him. They're seeking. And if you don't see your friend as you circle around, then you go and you knock on the door. In other words, that's the intensity. He wants us to stay involved with him. He uses this idea of this 
this acquaintance, this individual, but Jesus is obviously helping us to see that he ought to be that friend. We're, we're asking him, and then, and then we're going to circle around. We're seeking him, and if he's still not responding, we're, we're to be knocking. Remember, these are commands. They're not suggestions. This is God's treasure map that will lead us to obtain and enter into that personal relationship. So Jesus is saying, if you want me to act on your behalf, my requirement is that you start with asking. Just ask. Sometimes in an invitation, just come and ask. God, I heard what, what you spoke to me about through the preaching uh, tonight or this morning, whatever the service may be. You just ask, God. Make this a reality in my life. Help me. Be serious and sincere. Ask and seek and knock. And he promises that our prayers will be heard. So that's the imperative. Number two tonight, would you notice the invitation? The invitation. And we're overlapping some things from last night, but I want you to see verse number eight. For every one, that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be open. The invitation, God is inviting us. You know, prayer is comprehensive. We said this last night. For every one. Sometimes I'll hear people talk about, I went to a game and I got to see so-and-so and I got their autograph and and uh, you wait in line, and, and, and people, it, it really is. And I've done the same thing. I, I've been in that. But you're, you're there, you're up against a, a wall or a fence, and, and you're leaning over trying to, to, to vie for that person, uh, that, that sports hero or athlete, and, and they come by, and you get them to sign something, and you look at it and think, I could have done that, and no one will ever know who this person is that, that signed this. I've got to explain who this is the rest of my life because it makes absolutely no legible sense who that is. And, and, and the person who signed it, they really didn't make a connection with you. You know, They're, they're not really, hey, hey, how's mom and dad doing? You know, Everything going well at home? Well, make sure you call me up sometime. You know, There's none of that whatsoever, and yet we get excited about that. But do you know... I talked to the one who created this universe this morning. Anything and everything else is anticlimactic after having met with Jesus. He invites us. Everyone. You. Me. Not only is it comprehensive, but it is certain. In this matter of prayer, as he invites us, prayer is certain. Jesus is not simply giving an invitation to pray, but notice what he says. Notice this in verse 8. Notice the certainty. For everyone that asketh does what? Receiveth. Everyone that seeketh, what happens? Findeth. Everyone. And to him... That knocketh, it might, no, no, it shall be open. Again, I said it last night, there's no loopholes. There's no fine print. There's no, well, what does it say in the Greek? Well, I will tell you, if you look it up in the Greek and you were to translate it from the Greek, here's what it would tell you. Everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be open. Yeah. And so the F on the end, the uh, asketh and receiveth, it doesn't throw me. <laughs> it's the same, same thing. It's certainty. It's going to happen. You take it to the bank. 
Andrew Murray said, Ask and you shall receive. Everyone that asks receives. This is the fixed eternal law of the kingdom. If you ask and receive not, it must be because there is something amiss or wanting in the prayer. Hold on. Let the word and the spirit teach you to pray aright. But do not let go the confidence that he seeks to waken. Everyone who asks receives. Let every learner in the school of Christ therefore take the master's word in all simplicity. Let us beware of weakening the word with our own human wisdom. End of quote. If you're a child of God, know for a fact that your heavenly father, he wants to meet with you in prayer. And he wants his will, his desire to be accomplished in your life. Many Christians don't spend much time praying because they just don't believe it's going to work. They don't believe that God's going to answer. J. Oswald Sanders, Sanders pointed to this problem when he wrote, it's easy, listen, it's easy to become a fatalist in reference to prayer. It's easier to regard unanswered prayer as the will of God than to reason out the causes of the defeat. In other words, it's easy. I've heard people say, oh, God, yes, he answers prayer every time, and most of the time it's with a no. But at least he's answering. That's a cop-out. You know that Jesus, he guaranteed there in the upper room, if you pray in his name, he will do it. He never said anything about you not getting your prayers answered. He's saying if you pray with his authority and his will in his name, he's going to do it. And yet we live in such a world where we have to say, well, I think when he tells me no and he's silent, I think when he doesn't even show up, I think that's an answer to prayer. You know, God answers, yes, wait, maybe, no, but at least God's saying something. He's giving us something. I'm telling you, I think we need to stop with the cop-out. That's like me asking, uh, well, well how, how's, how's your marriage communication going? Oh, good, good. Uh, we, we, we've not put any holes in the sheetrock lately, and, and um, that's going well, you know. Yeah, I just turn the, the hearing aids off, and, and she just talks and talks and talks, and, and, you know, we're going real well. That's a cop-out. Oswald Chambers had at least one suggestion when he wrote, Our Lord in his teaching regarding prayer never once referred to unanswered prayer. He said, God always answers prayer. I said that too, but Oswald Chambers has more authority than I do, so let's go with him. If I, This is Oswald Chambers <laughs> still. If our prayers are in this are in the name of Jesus, that is, in accordance with his nature, the answers will not be in accordance with our nature, but with his. We are apt to forget this and to say without thinking that God does not always answer prayer. Yes, he does answer prayer every time, and when we are in close communion, communion with him, we realize that we have not been misled. End of quote. That's in his book, Prayer, A Holy Occupation. Man, to think that the God of the universe would do that for me for no other reason than that I ask. That's staggering. 
Answered prayer is the most wonderful of all the gifts. There's nothing better. Again, if you're not praying, you're missing out on the greatest adventure of life. Andrew Murray says we've become so accustomed to limit the wonderful love and the large promises of our God that we cannot read the simplest and the clearest statements of our Lord without the qualifying clauses by which we guard and expound them. Jesus was simple. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Now, if somebody reads the, 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 the verse that says, Call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. And they say, um, what does that mean? Well, you call upon Jesus, you recognize sin is your problem, hell is your consequence, Jesus is the answer, and you realize, I don't want my sin, I don't want to miss heaven and go to hell, I need Jesus, and you call upon the name of the Lord, you know if there's an emergency tonight, someone in your family, they, they fell over, they stopped breathing, you call 911, well, it's going to take some time, some time before you get help, but when you call out to Jesus immediately, He reaches down, He takes the sin in your life, He washes it away. Way. He gives to you eternal life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're emphatic that that's what it says and that's what it means. But why do we try to rewrite what Jesus said just as plainly and just as clearly when it comes to prayer? Take the simplicity of it. We'll give you the last point tonight. We saw the imperative. Ask, seek, and knock. It's a command. He tells us to do it. Number two, he saw the invitation. It's an invitation for everyone. It's comprehensive. Everybody. It's certain. I will hear from him. Remember, the whole goal in prayer is just to get into the presence of God. That's all it is. Just get into the presence of God. But number three, would you note the illustration of prayer? Jesus gives us an illustration of prayer to help us grasp this exciting invitation. The Lord gives us an illustration. He talks about stones, bread, fish, and serpents. Now remember, this is a Palestinian context. Stones in Palestine most likely look like little loaves of bread. So Christ's temptation in the wilderness, uh, you, you remember where he talked about taking the stones and turning it into bread. So we have a little bit of a, a thought process here, but notice in verse number 9. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? You see the picture? A rock instead of bread. A serpent for fish. It's absurd. And yet, that is the response that Christ is soliciting. I wouldn't do that. If you would not do that to your child, why would we think that our Heavenly Father would do that for us? The illustration by Jesus is designed to convince us that God longs 
to answer your prayer. He's not trying to withhold. He's trying to get us to see, I want you to see this. I want you to experience this. Where did we ever get the idea that praying is all about trying to overcome God's reluctance? It's like I, I would think for years that I'm twisting God's arm just to let me in. Prayer is often treated as though we're bashing down God's barrier of unwillingness. The Bible doesn't teach us that. You know what the Bible teaches us in Revelation chapter 3? That Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man hear my voice, if any man would open the door, if any man would just open up, I will enter in. It's not us that's trying to get God to listen to us. No, it, it is God who's trying to get us to see, I want to meet with you. Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm afraid of him seeing me. I'm all messed up. I got to get my life cleaned up so I can meet with him. No, he's the great cleaner upper. He's the great fixer upper. He's the one that we need to get to. Remember, we talked about church as a, as, a, as a hospital. It's a place where people can come. You, you say, uh, you know, I feel like I'm too broken to, to come into this place. Only the broken are welcome. And Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the fact of the matter is, He's, he's calling us Come into his presence. Come how? Just as you are. The Bible teaches that our Heavenly Father is anxious to answer our prayers. He's eager to give us our request. If we're asking for something that is good and God sees that it is good for us, he'll give it to us. Sometimes our problem is that we actually are asking for a snake. And we just don't realize it. And God wants to give us a fish. Do you know what the will of God is? It is exactly everything that you and I would want if we were smart enough to know what it is. It's not a cop-out. The fact is, if your kid, a little three-year-old, came up and said, I want a rattlesnake, please give me a rattlesnake. You're too loving to do what they are asking. Or we're begging for a stone when God really wants to give us some hot, fresh bread. Remember, I caution us, God's not a glorified bellhop. Living like the child of the devil doesn't put us into favor as the child of God. And, and so we, we're not, he's not here just to to make us uh, um, satisfy our lust. That's not what he's doing. Even when we ask amiss, however, prayer allows us, in that presence of God, it allows us to connect with the Lord who's able to clarify my focus. Because when I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, he begins to say, um, have, you ever, have you ever asked somebody a question before? And, um, you know, a teacher, maybe somebody, and they come back, 
with your question that you asked, they came back with another question. For example, is that really what you want? You know, like the game show, is that your final answer? Uh, no, maybe not. Can I change it? Uh, I, I, I picked up on maybe that wasn't the, the right answer there. And when you're in the presence of God, you begin to realize, maybe, maybe, this, isn't, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be asking for. It doesn't bother me because I'm at the right place with the right person. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. In other words, through prayer, God has first changed me. So then he can change my prayer. This I said it last night. God has a treasure chest just for you. It has your name on it. It's filled with good things. God's just waiting for you to ask him to give you those things. What is it that you need more than anything? Name it. Now let me ask you, have you asked God for it? Have you really asked him for it? And have you sought him for it? And have you knocked on his door for it? God says he's going to answer your prayer so that if the Bible is true and he longs to give you good things, why don't you ask? Those are the three truths. Now let me give you three applications just to make this practical. Number one, pray personally. Pray personally. Many of you, it was great last night. It was a great spirit. It was a great spirit tonight. But to listen to you talk about the plan, and Pastor is exactly right, that truth, in order for it to benefit and profit us, needs to be practical. And to hear many of you talk about the practicality, pray personally. Notice what he says in... Um, um, Where, where am I at? See, uh, look at verse number, verse number seven. Asking it shall be given you. Seeking ye shall find. Knocking it shall be open. Um, and then every one, verse eight, that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be open. Just, just seeing the personal aspect, or what man is there of you? Whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Look at verse 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? And so there's a personality, there's personal, individual. Too many Christians, they think of prayer only as a corporate activity, prayer meeting, but personally pray. I think as we personally are praying, it'll help our corporate prayer meetings. Listen, churches don't pray. People pray. And as people pray, then churches pray. Before, I, I, I would encourage someone to join some corporate prayer meeting, and I would encourage them to get fired up about um, uh, you know, coming and getting into our prayer meetings. And I think that there's a benefit. I think it helps. But, but if it doesn't pick up traction in their own life to pray personally, they're missing out on that treasure chest. So number one, pray personally. Number two, pray particularly. I believe Jesus wants us to pray about specific things. Remember, if we pray so general and God answers it, how would you ever know? In this context, Jesus mentions bread and fish. Specific, not general. Please bless my church. Well, I thank God for those prayers. But how much better would it be to get more specific? Like, 
Lord, bless my Bible fellowship teacher, Sunday school class teacher. Bless deacon so-and-so. Bless pastor as he's preparing to preach this weekend. And, or, you know, bless the many missionaries. Well, instead of just the general, mention them by name. Mention, mention their, their, the children's name. Ask God for what you want specifically. Specifically. Here's the rule of thumb. Never pray for anything in such a general way that when your request gets answered, you won't know it. I want to be able to know. Did he give it? Did he do it? So that when you pray, you pray so specifically that when the answer comes, you go, wow. Wow. He did it. I was talking with a lady this past week, and she's in Florida this week. They're, they're from Indiana. And... Um, and she would there. She and her family. They're going to in uh, going going to Florida. They're heading to Florida. They're there now. And I was just asking how that trip worked out. She said, "It's a miracle." She said, "A friend of my husband, uh, my husband, and I led this um, lady to the Lord, and years, many, many years ago, and she got married, and her husband recently died." And she says, "I've never been to where she is in Florida, and." Um, and she's in, in, in the business that she's in, um, she was just praying, Lord, would you give me a contact for business that would lead me to where this friend of mine is so I could see her? And she got a call to go to this location, Florida. She didn't know where it was. She looked it up. Not only was it the same town as her friend, and she's never been there in her life, uh, this, this lady... But not only is it the same town, but it was the same street. And I said, that's amazing. And she said, yeah, my God does that every day. And you know he wants to do it for you? Pray personally, pray particularly, and here's this third one. Pray persistently. Persistently. And we mentioned that these are imperatives. Remember, ask, seek, and knock. And this is the kind of imperative, there's two basic kinds of imperatives, but this is the kind of imperative that says this. It's a present imperative. It is this matter of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. See, the Lord urged us to be importunate. Not because he's hard of hearing or he's slow to respond but because we are sluggish and we are prone to give up. Aren't we the give up culture? We give up everything except bad habits. We give up on our marriages. We give up on education. We give up on our jobs. We give up on God. And I believe he keeps this kind of dynamic there that will keep us engaged, that we won't soon give up. See, again, if we're not careful, we're looking for the gift. We're working with our kids still, and people like to give them things. And, and, um, and our kids will just sometimes take it and look at it and walk away without ever saying thank you. And, and we're saying, hey, thank you. Thank you is in order. And they'll sometimes just say thank you and walking away without ever looking them in the eye. So we're having to say, hey, no, no, stand still. Look them in the eye and say thank you. And then many times when they get their gifts, whether it's birthday or Christmas and 
people give them gifts and well we'll open them up at home but we video them opening them up and saying thank you thank you so and so for this why because it doesn't come natural to selfish stingy children and God knows that we're selfish and stingy children as well and he wants us to stay because remember the point and purpose of prayer is just to get into his presence let us remember G. Campbell Morgan said, It is not a servant who keeps the door, but it's our Father. And what a Father He is. I grew up without a dad. My dad left when I was five years of age. I saw the last thing I remember seeing my dad do was beat my mom for the last time. And I grew up in North Carolina, and I remember seeing my mom reach for the phone and, and uh, to try to call for help. My dad grabbed it pulled it out of the wall, and, and then beat my mom with that phone. And as my mom slumped on the floor, and my dad walked out, and, and I'm crying as a little boy, and remember, all I seem to remember is asking my mom, is dad going to come back this time? And she said, you'll have to ask him. And I walked outside that night, and I walked up behind my dad, and I said, are you going to come back again? And he never answered. And I've never seen or heard of him since. And sometimes people think, well, how, how, how do you, how did you make it? Well, for one, I had a great mom who was not perfect, but she did the very best that she could. She believed that it was important that I understood that there's a God in heaven. And she convinced me as a little boy that God was a big deal. And I remember being in church, and I don't ever remember sleeping in church. I don't. I remember at six and seven years of age, she would always ask me after every service, what did the preacher preach about? And my pastor told jokes and illustrations, and it would suffice my mom. But there were times where I couldn't remember the foggiest ideas of what the pastor uh, talked about, and I got a spanking when I got home. My mom's philosophy was if you could stay awake through an hour of Winnie the Pooh, you could stay awake through an hour of the preaching of God's Word. Yeah, my mom never played on a softball team, but I'm telling you, she knew how to swing. Yeah. I remember as a little boy, it, someone asked, did you ever have timeout? Did your mom do timeout? No, it wasn't timeout. It was knockout. It was one and two, and I wasn't coming up. <laughs> no, no. Someone said, that's cruel. No, that's why I'm here tonight. Because I found out, while well, I didn't have a good earthly father. He was absent and he was angry. I could never imagine or asking for a better heavenly father. And he wants to be a father to each and every one of us. He's not asking us to, to go through his secretary or to go through his angel to get to him. He's inviting us to come directly to him. Sometimes we pray something like an ASAP prayer. God, I need this done ASAP. And there's some urgency. Remember Peter, he stepped out of the boat walking on water. And yet he took his eyes off the Lord like we sometimes do and we sink. And what did Peter do? He cried out to the Lord. Remember his prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Gurgle, gurgle. No. He just said, Lord, save me. And you know what the Lord did? He showed up. He showed up. And sometimes we pray these ASAP prayers, but I want to suggest that we pray these 
ALAT prayers. A-L-A-T. As long as it takes. As long as it takes. Sometimes you just may have to say, I'm going to get into my prayer closet. And I'm not going to come out until God answers. I'm not going to come out until God gives me direction and answer. doesn't mean I'm forcing God's hand. No, it doesn't. After all, we can't force God to do anything. It just means I'm praying with confidence. And, and I'm wanting God to work in me so that I come into union with Him. And I believe that God never overpromises, And I never believe that He underdelivers. He always delivers on His promises. But He does it. In his time. And so the purpose of prayer, getting into the presence of God. And prayer can do anything that God can do. Let's stand together, please, with our heads bowed. Lord, I thank you that we can talk to you right now about this very matter. This truth, the imperatives of asking, seeking, and knocking, the invitation that you give us to come meet with you, every one of us. Every one of us. And then the illustration, the practicality, if we would not be unkind to our child, how much more will you give to us that ask? And Lord, may we put you to the test. May we experience. Lord, I pray tonight as the Apostle Paul prayed in his later years of ministry still, that I may know him. Lord, may each of us be revived and refreshed and, and helped in knowing you tonight. Knowing you in a deeper way, we pray still go deeper and widen the circle. Thank you for what you're doing here at Grace Baptist Church, awakening it's people, reviving its people, and you're bringing people into a real, uh, vibrant relationship with you. Or the Spirit, where you are working, it's a breath of fresh air. And I do pray that you'd help us to see the, the blessed practicality and the simplicity of prayer. Would you do it tonight in our midst? Teach us to pray. Let me ask you in this invitation with heads bowed, God spoke to you, and, and that's the intention of the Word of God. That's what the Spirit of God was trying to do. Why don't we just do it? Just come and talk to Him tonight. Just, just come. As the piano plays, just leave your place and come to this altar and just talk to God about if you can't take him up on the invitation during the invitation, how are you going to take him up on the invitation outside of the church's invitation? The easiest place to, to try to pray ought to be in the house of prayer. We'll wait as you respond.
ahead and be seated, please, for, for just a moment here. Listen, what we're going to do is we're going to close in prayer tonight. And we're going to do this, what we would call a symphony of prayer. And we take this because where Jesus mentions where two or more gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. And, and, he's talk, and he mentions there when, when we are in agreement. And the word agree is where we'd get the, the Greek word is where we'd get the word symphony, symphonize. And just as in a symphony, there's all kinds of uh, instruments playing different parts, but there's one conductor. And so in a prayer meeting, whether it's personal or corporate, there's one conductor. That's the Lord. And so all we're doing is, and this is just, as, as Pastor mentioned, just so wise, it's just the practicality of it in helping us pray together as a larger group. And I think there is no greater, no more special entity group praying than the church of the living God. There is something about this. And, and so here, but here's, here's, here's what I'm going to give you. It's just some practical things. It'll help. Now, um, just pray a thought. All right? And we're going to pray, we're going to pray out loud here. Pray a thought. Don't pray a long list. Don't pray um, what you should be praying in your prayer closet. Just, just pray a thought. And, and what's practical about that? Because I've got a short attention span. And I want to I be in agreement with you. I want to be able to say amen because you're representing the group before the throne. And so we want to, and you can pray more than once. But, but just pray a thought. But listen, pray. If God leads you to pray, pray. If he doesn't, don't. And some may think, well, I'm definitely not doing this. Well, don't you remember about surrender? You need to be willing to do anything obedient to God and everything. If he nudges you to pray, pray. Now, you're praying to God. You're not preaching to us, okay? All right? Someone says, well, can women do this? Well, women can talk to God, too. So let me especially <laughs> advise women, don't be preaching to us in the prayer <laughs> because that's not your job either. So don't preach. You can pray. In the upper room, it says the men and women were together. So it's fair to do that. A woman can sing, testify, and especially you can talk to God here in the midst, okay? So if God leads you to pray, pray. If he doesn't, don't. Pray just a thought. All right, here's another one. Can you pray loud enough that we could hear you? Because I can't agree with you if I don't hear you, all right? So, so, so make sure you just, just lift up your voice. And, um, and what we're trying to do is, and I'm telling you, it, it, this, this will happen. I, I saw the liberty in your praying last night. And, and people will pray. People who come to our prayer meetings, and we'll do this on Saturday nights. This is what we do. Because here's how we used to pray. Um, all right, you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray, and then I'll close. Or uh, you start over here and we'll go around and we'll end over here. And here's what happens. I find so often we're, we're regurgitating the same prayers almost. 
And in, in this symphony of prayer, what we're trying to do is find out, God, we're coming into your presence. What do you want us to talk to you about? And we just find that there's been a liberty in this. And, um, and I've had people say, I've never prayed an hour in my life. Did we just pray an hour? Because God showed up. Now, if God's not in it, what seems like five minutes could seem like an hour. And so the whole idea is we're just trying to get into the presence of God. And this is not, there's nothing um, that is, this is the only way you can do it. We just found that th this is a practical way to help us be able to pray together as a corporate bunch. And I'm telling you, when God gets into it, then uh, there's just liberty there. And then the other thing, too, is sometimes somebody will go to pray and somebody else will pray, go to pray, and, and some will feel embarrassed. Well, I'm not going to try it again because... Um, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't worry about that at all whatsoever. It's just us. Have you, ever, have you ever been around your grandkids or your kids and you've got more than one there and both of them are trying to talk to you at the same time? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We just, you know, just defer to one and let one finish and you just jump right back in. But, but, don't, but don't let this, this is just us here, no one else. We're going before God's presence. We'll just take a few moments with this. I'll start out. And um, we'll pray, and your pastor will just close it when he, when he sees that the Lord wants him to close it. And if you have to slip out, I think it's fair, that's okay. Yeah, the, the parking lot, we unblocked it, right? So you can, you can get out now. It's, um, I felt. <laughs> and so, um, but, but we understand that. I, I just, I just, I'm telling you, it's encouraging. Um, God's doing something here. And, uh, and, and I, I, I don't want to miss it. And I know you don't want to miss it. So let's just, let's just do that tonight. Any question? Any question before, before we, we, we go pray? We're, we're going to hear from God here in just a moment. Yes, ma'am. No, 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 no. We're not going around and just, but, but just, just a thought. I mean, it's, it's like what we would call a popcorn prayer, just a thought. And, um, and we'll, 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 we'll watch God work, okay? All right, let's do it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can talk to you tonight. I thank you that you're meeting with us. Lead us in this time of prayer that we would have a real transaction of faith with you. 